0: Nick, I'm almost done with Gynonk, which is really fortunate because I'm going to be going on to OB. However, I am a little bit nervous about having to teach my junior residents how to ultrasound.
1: Well, did you know that you can head on over to the obgproject.com and with your chief resident skills, get free access to their second trimester ultrasound atlas?
0: If you're a chief resident like Nick and I, you can go on to the OBG Project and sign up for OBG First completely free. OBG First is a subscription that allows you to build your very own reading library on the OBG Project website, and they also send you up-to-date emails with the latest guidelines and research.
1: All of their content is summarized into easily digestible bites, bulleted information, so that way you can take it on the go, whether you're on your phone, on the wards, or hanging out at home.
0: If you want to find out how to sign up for OBG first, go ahead and go on our website at www.creogsovercoffee.com. All right, guys. Welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. Today, we'll be talking about a very important matter in OBGYN, and that is ACLS or Advanced Cardiovascular Life Support in Pregnancy.
1: So, for today, our objectives are going to be to review basic ACLS, but for pregnant women. We're going to talk about the differences in ACLS for obviously gravid women. And importantly, we're not going to review all of ACLS. Obviously, we are not an ACLS recertification course in a 10 minute podcast, but You can refer to your handy-dandy cards to be able to look through those things one more time.
0: And for more reading on this matter, go ahead and go on to the American Heart Association journal Circulation on their article, Cardiac Arrest and Pregnancy.
1: We hope that this will be very helpful for our emergency medicine colleagues and hopefully for you OBGYNs, though you probably won't be the first responders in a maternal code. So emergency med crit care folks, we hope that you find this helpful.
0: All right, Nick, let's start with the case. Um, so let's say a twenty seven year old G1, she's twenty five weeks pregnant. She's being seen in the emergency room for increased work of breathing and feeling short of breath. She's got a bad history of asthma. She's been hospitalized a bunch of times this pregnancy. She's got an IV steroids. She's been intubated in the past. When you go and look at her, she's really using her accessory muscles to breathe. She's not really able to talk to you at all. And then all of a sudden, her eyes close, she becomes unresponsive, and you don't feel a pulse. What do you do?
1: All right, so this actually starts before this scenario happens. So the first thing is that you've gotta have pre-event planning, including preparation for a maternal cardiac arrest and neonatal resuscitation. So when you call a code blue, this means that the code cart should come with the equipment to perform a bedside cesarean delivery. Maternal cardiac arrest team should have an adult recess team, an obstetrics team that includes an obstetrician and obstetric nurse, anesthesia, a neonatology team that has a nurse, a physician, and a neonatal respiratory therapist at the very minimum.
0: Co-team members that are responsible for pregnant women should also be familiar with physiologic changes of pregnancy, and that's not something that you're going to learn in the 30 seconds that it takes you to run over to the emergency, right? So you definitely need to learn and listen to our physiologic changes of pregnancy podcast beforehand, because we know that these changes in pregnancy can affect resuscitation technique and potential complications. Remember that the enlarging uterus can produce increased afterload through compression of the aorta and decreased cardiac return through compression of the inferior vena cava starting even at 12 to 14 weeks, and also that the uterus at term can receive up to 20% of maternal cardiac output.
1: So what that means for your patient, you're gonna to need to use left lateral decubitus positioning to help relieve the aortic cava compression. You should use a tape measure or your fingers to measure how high the uterus is above the umbilicus to estimate gestational age. Remember, the umbilicus is 20 centimeters, which is equivalent to about 20 weeks gestation. Um, So that's an important, like, quick visual that you can get in a crazy situation like a code. An IV should be placed above the diaphragm preferentially to ensure that IV-administered therapy is not obstructed by the gravid uterus. All right, I think we're ready to start our code
0: now. All right, so you get to the scene and basically you start BLS or ACLS, depending on where you are. And you should follow the CABU principle, which is chest compression and current, airway, breathing, and then uterine displacement. Your chest compression is going to actually be the exact same that you do for anybody that you're doing chest compressions on. You're going to be doing this quick and deep. So a rate of at least 100 compressions per minute to the depth of two inches or five centimeters with full recoil. And if you are uh, ventilating without having intubated the patient, then you should have a compression to ventilation ratio of 30 to 2. I know that for some people in the past that they've been taught to actually move their hands a little bit higher up on the maternal chest to give compression in pregnancy, but there's actually no scientific evidence to support changing hand placement for pregnant patients. And like I said, previous guidelines have recommended placing the hand slightly higher on the sternum, but this is not supported, and so you should really just go ahead and give compressions where you would give compressions for anybody. The next step is if you get to the point where the patient has a shockable rhythm that you see on the monitor, you should give them a shock in the same way that you would to a non-pregnant patient. There's no modification whatsoever in the recommended application of electric shock in pregnancy. All right, so Nick, let's go ahead and just very quickly review ACLS in pregnant patients and the steps that you should be taking. Again, this is a very quick rundown for our OBGYN colleagues to what to do if you're running to a code and you're the first one there. Exactly. So
1: again, the big things that you want to make sure of are that you've got high-quality chest compressions, you've got a pulse check every two minutes, and this should coincide with your rhythm checks. So again, every two minutes you're checking a pulse and you're also checking the rhythm of the heart. If it's a shockable rhythm, You can administer a shock, as Faye told you. Otherwise, you should use epinephrine every three to five minutes per standard ACLS protocol. We're going to post a ACLS protocol sample on our website for you to be able to review. Um, It's a nice flow sheet that also would go along with this episode. I think, Faye, one of the things that probably gives a lot of folks, particularly non-obstetricians, pause during this is doing a resuscitative hysterotomy or perimortem cesarean section.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to go over that a little bit both for our OBGYN colleagues and for those of us that are not OBGYNs. Um, The thing to remember is that if ROSC or return of spontaneous circulation is not achieved at four minutes time, then a perimortem C-section should occur with the goal to deliver at five minutes. And so – if you're thinking about this, four minutes really is not a lot of time when you're doing ACLS, when you're doing those chest compressions. And so that means that your C-section cart, your crash cart needs to be right there with all of your other medications and your monitor and things like that. The reason we do it is because one, it actually facilitates resuscitation. Emptying the uterus is going to relieve that aortal cable compression and improve resuscitative efforts. And two, it could save the fetus if the fetus is greater than 24 weeks. Early delivery is associated with decreased risk of permanent neurologic damage from anoxia. All right, Nick, so walk me through a perimortem C section. What do you do?
1: I mean, really, you need just basic stuff, right? Fortunately, C sections are not rocket surgery. So you need a number 10 blade. Hopefully, you've got a retractor of some sort, maybe the lower end of a Balfour, um, a pack of sponges, some clamps like Kelly clamps, a needle driver, some Russian forceps sutures and suture scissors. The technique for this, again, not rocket surgery. Just go fast. You're going to splash prep the abdomen with betadine. For those who are not familiar, particularly with cesarean sections, the recommendation is to a vertical midline incision. If you have an obstetrician on hand, a fan and steel incision may be appropriate, but again, the recommendation, the official recommendation is for that vertical midline incision. You should deliver the neonate and hand them off to the NICU team should deliver the placenta and then clean out the uterus just like you would for a normal C-section. You close the uterus with a running, locked, absorbable suture and close the abdomen in a regular fashion. These are sort of lower priorities, but you do need to close the uterus in order to help control bleeding or bleeding that will result once you get ROSC. Oxytocin antibiotics should be administered just once the team achieves ROSC, so these, again, are lower-priority interventions. Faye, there's some other guiding principles kind of in this maternal code situation. Um, What about things like teratogenicity or kind of other things about fetal assessment?
0: Yeah, so when you go to a code, remember mom is dead. So you need to do everything you can to try and achieve ROSC. And that means no medication should be withheld for fear of teratogenicity during a maternal code. You should not be performing fetal assessment during resuscitation because mom is not going to be perfusing that uterus very well when her heart's not beating. So the baby is of course not going to look good on the monitor. You should actually detach fetal monitors as soon as possible to facilitate resuscitation because you don't want those monitors on if you're going to be shocking the mom. The perimortem cesarean delivery also should be performed at bedside. That patient should not be transported to the operating room for their cesarean delivery. All right, Nick, so let's say we've done all of these things. We are approaching, you know, 10 minutes on our resuscitative efforts. We got to start thinking about what are some of the reversible things that we can do? What are the reversible causes? So what are some things that you think about?
1: Yeah, so fortunately there's an acronym in everything for obstetrics and emergency medicine, critical care, what have you, and cardiac arrest in pregnancy is no different. You can actually think about cardiac arrest causes in pregnancy with the ABCs. So we'll kind of go through them, and they really go like A through H. So to start with the A's, you could have anesthetic complications, Um, particularly if you have somebody on the labor floor. You know, if they have a high epidural, they can get hypotension, and a loss of an airway that way. They can aspirate from that. And additionally, with anesthetics, you could have, like, local anesthetic systemic toxicities in some patients. Another A would be accidents or trauma. Um, And again, particularly as we talked about in our IPV episode, pregnant patients are certainly at risk of domestic violence. They're also at risk um, in traumatic situations. They're also at risk in suicide as well. So these are all things to consider.
0: Next is B, or bleeding. So this is where you want to start thinking about a lot of things that we as obstetricians normally think about. So does the patient have a coagulopathy? Is there uterine atony, a placenta accreta, or abruption, or a previa, maybe retained POCs, uterine rupture, or bleeding from a surgical site, or maybe some kind of transfusion reaction?
1: C's are up next for cardiovascular causes, and these are things admittedly obstetricians are probably not as familiar with, um, but can happen in pregnancy. It could be classic myocardial infarctions, or they could be things as rare and different as aortic dissections, cardiomyopathy, sudden onset arrhythmias, valvular disease, or congenital heart disease.
0: D stands for drugs. So um, even though some of these medicines we use every day, we do need to remember that patients can have toxicity from things like pitocin or magnesium. And of course, we need to think of things like illicit drugs and opiate overdose, as well as insulin use.
1: E stands for embolic causes. Um, Classically in pregnancy, we think about an amniotic fluid embolus, or AFE, but don't forget about more common things, things like pulmonary embolus, strokes, or venous air embolism.
0: F stands for fever, so you want to think about sepsis and infection.
1: G is for general, and for those of you who are not OBGYNs, you probably remember the H's and T's that you'd think about for every other code in a non-pregnant patient, and these apply to pregnant patients too. To run through the H's real quick, um, the H's and H's and T's stand for hypovolemia, hypoxia, hydrogen ions or acidosis, hyper or hypokalemia, and hypothermia.
0: The T's stand for tension pneumothorax, tamponade, toxins, or thrombosis like PE or an acute cardiovascular event.
1: Finally, the obstetric H is for hypertension. Um, So hypertension meaning the preeclampsia spectrum of disease or an intracranial bleed.
0: All right, Nick. So we have kind of talked through very quickly ACLS in pregnancy. So let's run through that code scenario. Patient comes in, pulseless, she's pregnant. Go.
1: All right. So we're going to check that pulse, see if it's there. If it's not, let's look at her abdomen, get a quick estimate of gestational age.
0: And then from there, we're going to call our code blue. So if you have a maternal code team at your hospital, great. Make sure there's also going to be that obstetrics team, anesthesia team, and NICU team available that are coming with the rest of the code team.
1: Start out with your basic life support, that BLS. Chest compressions at least 100 times a minute, each two inches deep over the lower sternum, with someone giving you left uterine displacement or positioning the patient in left lateral decubitus if possible.
0: By now, hopefully, your code team has gotten there. So, someone is going to hopefully help you start an IV that is above the diaphragm. And also, your respiratory team is going to be there to help you protect that airway, either a bag mask or an intubation.
1: As you get your crash cart, you need to apply your defibrillator leads and do pulse and rhythm checks every two minutes without stopping chest compressions for more than 10 seconds at a time.
0: If that patient has a shockable rhythm like VFib or VTAC, you're going to deliver a shock just like you would to someone who is not pregnant.
1: If it's not a shockable rhythm, you need to follow ACLS guidelines with medications, generally starting out with epinephrine every three to five minutes.
0: And if you're getting to that four-minute mark, you need to initiate perimortem cesarean delivery with a goal to deliver at five minutes. Hopefully by then, your medicine colleagues have gotten there, and you as the OBGYN are going to stop running this code.
1: With any luck. So I know that was probably a little longer than our average espresso episode, but I think my heart rate's up just like I drank an espresso. Once again, this is Nick.
0: This is Faye.
1: And this has been Creags Over Coffee.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go on to Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or any of your other podcatchers and give us a five star rating and review.
1: Find us on social media on Twitter at Kryogs Over Coffee One, on Facebook at Kryogs Over Coffee, on Instagram at Kryogs Over Coffee, or on Patreon, where you can find us, give us some support, and we'll send you some swag or a shout out on the show patreon.com slash coffee
0: If you need to review your BLS or ACLS algorithms, we're going to be posting them on our website www.CreeUggsOverCoffee.com
1: Finally, send us some feedback or an idea for a future episode, CreeUggsOverCoffee at gmail.com